Hotel. February of 1954, a Navy pilot set out on a night training mission from a carrier off the coast of Japan. And while he was taking off in stormy weather, his directional finder malfunctioned, and he mistakenly headed in the wrong direction. Uh, and to make matters worse, his instrument panel then suddenly short-circuited, uh, burning out all the lights in the cockpit. You know, the pilot looked around and he could see absolutely nothing. It was dark outside, it was dark inside. He later described it as the blackness outside the plane had suddenly come inside. And nearing despair, uh, you know, wondering, oh man, what am I going to do? He looked down and he noticed there was this faint blue-green glow trailing through the ocean below him. Well, his training had prepared him for this moment because he knew in an instant that what he was seeing was a cloud of phosphorescent algae that was glowing in the sea that had been stirred up by the engines of his ship, right, the aircraft carrier. So it was his pathway to safety, and the pilot knew. Uh, um, he had, the pilot happened to be uh, Jim Lovell, who would later be Apollo 13 uh, astronaut. He turned his plane, and he followed the glowing path home. Well, last week, I started a new sermon series that we are calling Empowered. It's all about us being people who are filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can partner with Jesus in his mission of making all things new. Well, that sounds great, but how exactly are we supposed to do that, right? <laughs> uh, and that's what I started thinking about. I, I actually wrote two-thirds of a sermon to for today with a lot of really great theology. You would have been super impressed. Um, and I'd love to share it with you sometime. Um, but I felt like God stopped me at that point and said, you know, we need something a little more practical for today. Uh, we all want to be people who are faithful to Jesus, you know, doing what he created us to do uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I know that can all too often feel like we're fumbling around in the dark much like Jim Lovell was that day, you know, with no idea how to move forward. We need that pathway to, to lead us. So I want to provide today what I hope could be maybe some practical stepping stones to create a path to keep us on track as people who are empowered by the Spirit to partner with Jesus. That's what I'm going to try to do today. Amen? All right. Galatians 5, 16 to 18 says this. We're going to be all over the New Testament today. Galatians 5, 16 to 18 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, it says. <clears throat> well, this is the passage that came to mind while I was thinking about all that. Walk by the Spirit, it says. What does that mean, really, right? What does that mean? The New Living Translation has it as, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It's another version of it. Or the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible translates it as, live by the Spirit. Well, those are helpful pictures, but in this case, I, I think the message version of the Bible really gets it best. 
where it writes, uh, Live Freely, Animated and Motivated by God's Spirit. Live Freely, Animated and Motivated by God's Spirit. Paul uses that contrast between flesh and spirit uh, quite a bit in his New Testament writings. And all too often, the way people have thought about that, the way, what they thought he meant was that by flesh, Paul means physical or material, as opposed to spirit, which is not physical, not material, right? In other words, we sometimes think Paul is talking about what we're made of when he uses the words flesh and spirit. And then that leads to thinking things like, well, my physical body then and material things and, and just ordinary day-to-day -day life, those things don't really matter that much. You know, they might even be a hindrance, get in the way of my spiritual life. And so then we might think that if I'm really spiritual, none of that physical, material, ordinary stuff of everyday life, none of that, like my home or my job or anything like that, none of that should really matter to me. We may think God doesn't care about those kinds of things, and so neither should we. You know, God only cares about me getting to heaven. But that's not what Paul means when he uses flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit don't describe what we're made of. They describe what energizes us, you could say. Or as the message version says, what animates us, right? What gives us life? What motivates us? Are we motivated and animated by our self-centered, broken, sinful nature you know, that wants my own way, I want to get my own way? Or are we motivated and animated and energized by the life of God, by the Holy Spirit in us. What or who, you could say, is the driving force within us? Well, the answer to that question, of course, partly depends on when you ask it. If I've had a good night's sleep, I've already had some coffee, I'm doing uh, something I enjoy, it's pretty easy to be motivated and animated by the Holy Spirit, right? But when I'm tired or stressed out, you know, <laughs> feeling a little insecure, haven't had my coffee yet, it's pretty easy to let the flesh take over, isn't it? It is. And it's not always that we're doing bad things either. The flesh doesn't always mean you're doing bad things. You know, uh, that's not always the case. I know for me that when I allow the Spirit to animate me, there's a sense of freedom and rhythm and balance to my life. I'm able to work and enjoy my work, and I'm able to rest and enjoy my rest. That's, I think, how God wants us to live, right? But when I'm motivated by the flesh, it might show up as me being cranky and selfish. But it could just as well show up as me trying to be responsible for everything, right? Pretending I don't have any needs of my own. And, and so other people might look at that and think, oh, he's being a wonderful person or even a very spiritual person. But in reality, what I'm doing is I'm letting maybe ambition or fear or insecurity or something else like that rule me and drive me and motivate me. I'm being motivated by the flesh. 
That makes sense? Yeah. Which takes me back to that Jim Lovell story. It says that when he saw the glowing trail, his training had prepared him for that moment. And so he knew what to do. Now, he could have panicked, right? He could have freaked out and crashed, but he didn't because his training had prepared him for that moment. He knew in the moment what to do. And so maybe the stepping stones that I'm trying to give you today aren't so much the path as they are what trains us so that in the moment when we need it, we can let the Holy Spirit energize us and show us the path, right? That's really what it is. So we look at Ephesians, first of all, verses uh, 13 and 14 in chapter 1. Here we go. It says, In him, in Jesus, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. The first stepping stone is knowing your identity in Jesus. Yeah, I had a really profound experience of this back in my 20s. It was shortly after my father died. He died really young in his 40s, and uh, I, I was grieving one day, and I just felt very alone. Yeah, I felt very cut off. I started thinking about how, you know, I've got no father. Uh, my grandfathers had passed away. I had no grandfathers. I, had, I was thinking, I was sitting there thinking, I've got no father figure to guide me. And I had this very clear sense of God saying to me, I will be your father. I will be your father. I just had this overwhelming sense of God's love for me, his care for me, the fact that I am his son no matter what. Well, I'm sure I knew that before at some level, but it became real for me that day. And it stayed with me ever since. We all need that rock-solid sense of being utterly, unconditionally loved by God, of being his beloved sons and daughters. I could have read all of the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1 because it's all about that. It's, it talks about us being blessed and chosen and adopted and redeemed and lavished with God's grace. It's a passage to go back to again and again and again to root your identity in Jesus, because that's what it's all about. It's all about who you are because Jesus died for you. It's not based on your goodness. It's not based on your performance. So it can never be taken away from you. It's all because of Jesus. But verses in 13 and 14 that I read are, I believe, the capstone of it all. They're saying we are so loved. We are so blessed by God that God himself has come to dwell in us by the Holy Spirit. Walking by the Spirit isn't about learning some skill, nor is it about, you know, learning to do something that's alien or different from who you now are. It's really about growing in our awareness and our dependence upon this third person of the Trinity called Holy Spirit who actually comes to live in us, 
when we surrender our lives to Jesus. See, what I have found is that if I don't make a point of remembering and rem, you know, reminding myself actively who I am in Jesus, I start thinking that my relationship with God is based on my performance. Anybody relate to that? Hmm? Yeah. Am I doing enough? Am I being good enough? That sort of thing. And then I might try to do better. I might try to do more for God. But what is it that's driving that? It's not the Holy Spirit. It's my own fear. It's my own guilt. It's my own shame. In other words, it's my flesh. And if that's what's animating me, if it's coming from my flesh, it's not going to produce what God wants in me no matter how hard I try. It can't. So do you know that you are absolutely, unconditionally loved by God? I know we say that a lot here, but do you really know it? Are you living as a son or daughter of God? The more secure we are in that identity, the more freely we can walk by the Spirit. So the first stepping stone is identity. We need to know our identity in Jesus. A little further on in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. This is verses 18 to 20. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to God to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked about this verse last week too. You know, it says, be filled by the Spirit. But if you look into the grammar, it's actually saying something more like, Go on being continually filled by the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit over and over and over again. And I've said, too, that when we're talking about being filled by the Spirit, it's not just about me getting more, it's not just about, yeah, me getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's really about the Holy Spirit getting more of me, me yielding my life to Him. Well, one way we can be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit is, is by doing what we did last week. We just ask for it. We pray for it. And that's really good. Mary Engel, uh, who's probably watching online now, she said I could share this. She sent me a, an email after last Sunday's service. She was watching online, and uh, she wanted to share what happened to her. She said, uh, I just wanted to reach out and tell you about my experience I had when you asked us to pray for the Holy Spirit to come, and, and I asked them to ask you to just hold your hands out, to extend hands. She said, when I did this, I had electricity running through my hands and fingers. It just felt all tingly. And she said, I, I tried changing my body position, thinking maybe it was just that. You know, maybe it's just the way I'm holding my hands. It's making that happen, but it wasn't. It, it just kept happening. And then she said, when you said to be seated, and she did, and she put her hands down, it immediately stopped. So then she tried putting her hands back out again to see if she could get the sensation to get come back. But, but no, it, it wasn't. It was just when we were praying for the Holy Spirit to fill her. She said, 
truly it was the Holy Spirit and powerful. And she said, this was online. So <laughs> she said, thank you for this. I haven't had an experience like this in quite a while. So it's cool, right? It's just great. You know, and, and we don't always get those experiences when we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But, man, it's awesome when we do. It's fun. Remember, it's tangible. Well, this passage is also telling us another way to be filled besides just asking. It says you do it by speaking psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. In other words, by worshiping. You know, we don't gather here to worship to be entertained, right? We don't gather just to sing our favorite songs like it's some kind of karaoke or something, right? (laughs) Nor is this just a purely social gathering, nor is the main point to hear my sermon either. That's not either it. We gather to worship in God's presence, you know, opening our hearts to God, pouring our hearts out to God as a way of yielding our whole lives to God as we sing to him in worship. And that kind of worship changes us. It just does. As we worship, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives because we're here. As you're singing to God, you're opening your life to him, and God is just coming and filling you and working in you during that time. We're filled and refilled with his presence as we surrender to God by worship. And and that's why we make worship, you know, singing songs of worship, such a high priority here. It's because in his presence, we're changed. So the second stepping stone is worship. Make worship a priority in your life. Yeah, I've done that. I've made worshiping with God's family the focal point of my week for over 50 years now. I mean, it is rare for me to miss a a Sunday of of worship, and not just because I'm the pastor and I have to be here, right? Right? Yeah. If we go somewhere, I'm usually worshiping even when I'm not here. I'm usually somewhere else on a a Sunday. I don't want to miss out on being in God's presence with you and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why I do it. You know, some weeks when I do that, I really feel his presence here. Some weeks, not as much. You know, that has as much to, to do with me as anything, right? But whether I feel it or not, I know God is here. And that cumulative effect of being in God's presence and being filled with his spirit through worship week after week after week has changed my life. So make worship a priority in your life and give yourself to God in worship. That's our second stepping stone. Then over to 1 Peter. You all wondering how the Packers are doing? (laughs) 1 Peter 2. 4 to 5 says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's that picture of each of you as a living stone and we're being built together into this holy temple is the image there. See, I am, I am convinced that in our culture, one of the main reasons we have trouble walking by the Spirit or difficulty even being aware of the Spirit sometimes or difficulty hearing his voice and following his guidance and receiving his encouragement is because we try to do it alone primarily. 
The next stepping stone is don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. See, following Jesus is not a solo sport. Peter tells us here that if we come to Jesus, we will be built together with others to become that spiritual house. And I'm sure Peter means more by that than just coming to worship on Sunday, although that's, that's a great start. You know, he's talking about us being connected, about us being friends, you know, about supporting one another and encouraging one another and sharing our dreams and our struggles with each other. He's talking about us getting together to wrestle with the Bible and try and figure out what it's saying and how we're supposed to apply it and, and you know, how, how Jesus is inviting us to live. I am convinced that the majority of our hearing the voice of the Spirit and receiving the guidance and the encouragement of the Spirit, learning to walk by the Spirit, is meant to happen together, not alone. It's not just you being off on your I mean, we need times alone with God, right? And that's great. But it's as we come together and talk and share and pray for each other, I think where that's where most of it comes from. See, this is why we have small groups here. This is why we encourage you to connect and make friends and hang out with each other, too. And this is also, just to give a little plug, is why emotionally focused works so well. The, we have the foundation coming up in a couple of months here in December, the first part of it. It's because through emotionally focused, you enter into this journey of healing and growth with other people, and that process of learning together and sharing your struggles and your victories with each other, that makes all the difference. It really does. So the third stepping stone, don't go it alone. And then one more. This is Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There's a lot packed into those two verses, but but my focus is really on verse 2 where it says, uh, you know, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Being conformed to this age is what happens when we're energized and animated by the flesh. You know, when I want what I want and I let that drive me, I end up being shaped by selfishness and greed or whatever else, all the other characteristics of the age. What Paul does not say, though, is try really hard to stop doing that, right? That's not what he says. Instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And after almost 50 years of following Jesus, I would say the number one way you renew your mind so that you can be transformed is really simple. It's reading the Bible every day. See, what we're after is becoming more aware of the Holy Spirit in us and learning to hear his voice so that we can let him lead us and energize us so that we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit inspired the words of the Bible, right? He breathed his life into those words. So as we read the Bible, 
we're actually learning to recognize what the Holy Spirit sounds like. Now, you may not be aware of that happening as you're reading it. That may not be a conscious thing. But as you read the scriptures day after day, that is what happens. Your mind is renewed. Your heart is opened. Your spiritual ears are trained to hear God. Now, I know some of us get frustrated because we read the Bible and we feel like we don't understand it, right? What is it saying? Well, the first thing I would say to that is that's okay. You don't have to understand it to benefit from it. It's not really about you figuring out what it means. It's about you interacting with God and talking to God about it all and in that way learning to hear his voice. But I know we also want to learn to understand what it means, right? It's frustrating otherwise. And there are some outstanding resources for that. I want to just give a plug, highly recommend for both the Bema Discipleship Podcast up there on the top left and the Bible Project videos. Um, you know, these are both free resources. Um, they're both easily available online, and you could spend years just using either or both of those, and they will help you tremendously to read and understand what you read. So the resources are there. So the stepping stones I'm recommending are know your identity in Jesus, worship, don't go it alone, and read your Bible daily, right? Being growing as, or being and growing as people who are empowered by the Spirit, who walk by the Spirit, is not some kind of mystical, super spiritual endeavor which most of us will never attain. It's what God wants for all of us. And so he has put it within our reach. He's poured his Holy Spirit into us. And isn't that amazing? He's put the Holy Spirit in us so that we can walk by the Spirit. And the more consistently we practice what I've talked about today, the more natural we'll find it becomes to walk by the Spirit every day with or without coffee. Yes. So here's what I encourage you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you which of those four stepping stones would be most helpful for you to grow in right now, right? Don't try and do all four at once. Which one, which one do you need right now? And then ask the Holy Spirit to show you one person you could help to grow in that same area. Because we don't go it alone, right? You don't have to say to that person, you know, I think God needs you to grow in this area. Clearly you need my help. <laughs> you could say something like, you know, I really want to grow in this. Would you be willing to do it with me? and uh, walk together with someone. You know, as you invest in them, they invest in you, you're going to find that you grow in these stepping stones and you grow in your ability to walk by the Spirit. And I was thinking about how some of you who are hearing what I've been saying today, or you have been hearing what I'm saying today, maybe here or you're online, but you're thinking, I haven't experienced any of this. Yeah, I don't feel like a son or a daughter of God. Never have. I haven't experienced God's unconditional love. I don't think the Holy Spirit animates or motivates me at all. Well, that may be because 
you've never ta- maybe you've never taken the first step of receiving God's love, of surrendering your whole life to Jesus. That's how we enter into that relationship with God. You know, that's how we open the door to everything that I'm talking about, right? So I wanted to give an opportunity. So if that's you, if, if you want to surrender your whole life to God, you feel like, that's me, I want to do that. Um, I'm just going to ask you to do something, which is a little scary. I'm just going to ask you to stand, and we're just going to wait a minute. If you want to take that step of surrendering your life to Jesus, I just invite you to stand. There's nothing magical about standing, right? But it's a way of saying, hey, I'm really making this choice, and I can look back on this day forever and know that I've made this choice because I stood up and did it. So any brave soul feeling led by God to do that today? Should we all stand at our defense? Yeah. We'll give it a moment. I feel like this is something God is saying to me to do more frequently here and to invite people into because there is something about this total surrender 